Lord, we, uh, we just come before you and we ask that you would be with those that are suffering today and so much loss of life, loss of property, and we pray, Lord, that you would continue to, to just uh, be with those people and provide their needs. God, we, we ask for comfort for families that are grieving, and we're just thankful, Lord, for the, the, the ways that we know that you are going to intervene in their lives, and we just we pray in the middle of the devastation that you just be there, and we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. We are uh, coming to the end of the year, and it's always kind of a, it's always, end of the year is always kind of a make or break for us as, as a church, you know, because like any other nonprofit organization, we, we don't have like millions of dollars in reserves. We're not one of those places that just, oh yeah, we, you know, we've just got tons and tons of surplus, you know, we, we run it pretty thin around here, but, uh, and to be honest, we, we rely a lot on faith, and God has always been faithful to meet our needs, but the end of the year is really important for us and to be honest God's taken care of us good care of us through the last couple of years uh, and we've all we've been able to help a lot of people and we've been able to do a lot of good things but there have been several projects around here that have been needing to be done for several years that just keep being put on the back burner because uh, the, we just haven't had the financial margin to be able to do that and in case you don't know this already I know many of you might be thinking about end-of-year gifts and maybe for tax purposes, you're looking at, okay, I need to make a contribution. We'd just like to ask you to remember your church. Uh, there's a lot that could be done. And one thing to keep in mind, some of you may know this, others don't. But the church, uh, we have a brokerage account. So if you're a person that says, hey, I'd like to maximize my gift, or maybe you have to, you're required to take an end-of-the-year withdrawal or whatever, you can donate stock directly to the church. And, and the, the benefit to that is that you don't have to pay taxes on that withdrawal. So the church gets the full benefit, and then you don't have to pay Uncle Sam because you didn't sell the stock. You donated it, and then we will be able to sell it. We don't have to pay taxes since we're a 501c3. But, uh, so it might be a, a great option for some of you. If you've got questions about that, you can talk to our, our uh, financial treasurer, Jamie Schnell. Uh, or also one of our elders, Rick Johnstone, who kind of lives in that world and works with our budget. Uh, just please keep us in mind. Make such a huge difference. You know, we've talked a lot about generosity in the last month and the 90-day tithe challenge. Excited about that. And we'll get into all that again. But I just encourage you just to be aware of the impact that your generosity makes and, and what has God asked us to do. I, I would hope that we would all be asking, how can I, how can I fuel the church that has built so much into me and and that and that has helped us and hopefully going to help many more people in the years to come and around the world so if you, you go to our website you can give online but if you want to drop something in the offering box we appreciate that as well and uh, that's that's all i'm going to say about that but i was thinking about uh what christmas was like as a kid and for many of us you know some of us maybe we don't have maybe maybe some of us christmas was a struggle but for for most of us as a kid you know, Christmas is just like this magical, fun time, and you're just not, you're blissfully unaware of credit card debt when you're a kid. You are blissfully unaware. You just don't, you know, corporate downsizing, you don't know anything about that. You don't know anything about, you know, those stressful things. All you're thinking about is what kind of presents we want, and am I going to see Santa Claus, and when are we going to do that? But the thing is, the older that we get, the more complicated we make it, and, and it's the one thing that we all seem to have in common is a lack of peace. It is funny. We, we all live in this state of wanting 
what we don't have. And it's kind of like I'm waiting for something to happen in my life or, you know, I really can't afford the things that I'd like to have. But if I could just have a better paying job, then I could afford some of those more you know, luxury items that I think would really make me happy. I got my eyes on this new truck or the maybe the truck with the camper and the boat. You know, if I could just get the whole package deal there, then I would, then life would just really be complete and I would be so happy and, and have peace. But it's funny because you get around people that have that stuff. And, and those that have, you know, maybe they've worked really hard in their life and they've accumulated some wealth and so they've got a lot of those things and, and those a lot of times they look at us and they say, you know, I may have a lot of the toys, but uh, you know what? You have a simpler life. You don't have to worry about corporate taxes and payroll and staffing issues, and they often long for the simplicity. So we all want what we don't have. No one's happy. No one is satisfied and content. I read this article recently that said this. It said that 25 years ago, 25 years ago, uh, Christmas, I think we've got this quote, should have on the screen. 25 years ago, Christmas was not the burden that it is now. There was less haggling and weighing, less quid pro quo, less fatigue of body, less wearing of soul. And most of all, it was less loading up with trash. Do you agree with that? Would you say, man, 25 years ago was so much better? Isn't that true? Isn't that just the honest truth? A lot of us would agree with that. That was written in Harper's Bazaar magazine in 1904. We've been saying that stuff forever. We have been saying forever, hey, we need to slow down. We, we, we're always too stressed out. And we all kind of look back with rose-colored glasses and say, oh, it was so much simpler. It was just so much easier. I read a, a blog not long ago that's, that was complaining about the state of the church and the state of the Christmas and all that. And they said, oh, you know, 50 years ago it was so much easier. There was just less, Christmas was less commercialized than it is today. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, look, this is nothing but commercialized. Like, it's always been like that. It's always, how can we kind of leverage this a little bit? But, but that's what we do is we kind of look back and say, no, 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 it was, it was better. And, and it, we've been saying that there's a reason why I can't have peace. And it must be the culture around me. Uh, maybe it's just the things that are crushing down around me. No, it's not, it's not the culture around you. It's you. It's me. It's not something else. It's not this external stuff. It's us. It's not the problem with what's around me. It's, a, it's my attitude. It's your attitude. It's a way that we're looking at life, and so many of us, we're not content with where we are right now. We really believe that things were better in the past. We really believe that. And, and newsflash, they weren't. And we, we think that things will be, hopefully, better in the future, and hopefully they will. Hopefully things will be better. But, but the problem is we're never finding much peace and joy in the right now, in this moment. I want to take a look at a really familiar Christmassy passage in Luke chapter 2 and look at some guys who are just living in the moment and were just simply being who God created them to be. In Luke chapter 2 verse 8 it says that that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Shepherds, they were, uh, you know, if, if you know much about this passage, and maybe you've heard messages on this, the shepherds, we always picture the shepherds in the manger scene. You know, they just look 
pretty and they've got like a pillowcase on their head and you know they're just you know nice little dresses that they're flowing dresses that they're wearing but the reality of in a historical nature what these shepherds were like they were a ragtag bunch of guys uh, they lived outside they were they were dirty they were would have been strong i mean their job was to protect the flock of sheep against predators i mean they they just they probably would have looked a little more like a biker gang than they would have looked like the set of in your nativity scene I mean, these are these kind of guys that many of us, we might look at somebody that's some big burly guy and say, I don't know if he wants to shake my hand or break me in two. That's kind of, that's kind of what shepherds would have been like. It was kind of like, man, you don't want to mess with those guys. They might really, they can really work you over. And it was to this group of people that God gives the very first announcement of Jesus' birth. This is verse 9, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among those people. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. I like this, I like this account for multiple reasons. One is I really love the fact that the very first announcement of, of the greatest news in the world was to a, bunch of, to a bunch of people that most people were probably scared of. I thought, man, you know, you talk about like blue, blue, blue collar. And kind of like, there's a little bit on the outskirts of, of society here, you know. That's why I always feel like, you know, those people that some may be tempted to look down on, I would say that's why we can't ever look down on, on, on appearance because we don't see what God sees. God sees the heart and he chose this group, say, they were in the right place, the right time, they were the right people to, to witness the greatest news that we've ever, we've ever received as a human race. And, you know, it, it says that glory to God, peace on the earth, peace to whom God is pleased. It pleases the Lord when we live with peace. We've got to stop and think that, that you know, that there's a better, we, we think that there's a better time to have peace. We've got to stop thinking like that. We've got to stop thinking that I will have peace next year. I, you know, maybe I will have peace when this falls into place or this thing happens but you and I it's it, we've got to have peace now not tomorrow and it's not like if we could just get back to 25 years ago we've got to have peace now and you and I have got to be different could you turn me down just a little bit I'm getting a little ring but we, we've got to be on a different path if we want and here's the thing that I don't want you to miss a lot of people listen to sermons and we think okay what is what is this person asking me to do what do, they want, what do they want me to do? And I get that. I, I think that when I'm listening to somebody preach, you know, what's the point? What are you asking of me? And I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying, let's cancel all of Christmas. You know, or let, let's, so nobody buy anything and don't put up lights. Or don't, you know, don't eat cookies. Don't eat, take your kids to do fun stuff. I love all that stuff. That's, that's the best stuff. I mean, that's so much fun for me. And I love the busyness, even though it's crazy and I love the crazy, but what I'm saying is don't lose sight of the primary goal. 
What's primary and what is secondary? What's your goal this year? There's all sorts of stuff that we can get into, but I guarantee that nobody's primary goal is, you know, this year I want to spend so much money that we don't pay it off until after Easter. Nobody's thinking that way. But that becomes what we do. You know, nobody, none of us are thinking, you know, my, my primary goal is to get myself so busy and so stressed out that I'm going to freak out and rip somebody's head off before we get to Christmas Eve. Like, well, I'm going to damage relationships before we, and then I'm going to be, here's your gift. Ugh, you know, nobody's thinking that way. And yet that's what happens. That's what we slide into. You know, nobody's thinking, well, my, I want to, you know, I'm going to eat like garbage and I'm not going to be healthy. I'm going to put on 10 pounds and that's what I'm going to do. And maybe some people that is your goal, but no, it shouldn't be. You know, that shouldn't be what our goal is. Not a good, not a good thing. But, uh, you know, letting drama, stress get in the way. But, but maybe, maybe you think, okay, what would I like? Maybe you say, my goal this year is to make some special memories with the people that I love. And I would really enjoy a drama and stress-free time. That's a good goal. Or maybe it's my goal is to slow down long enough, even if it's just for a day or two, to slow down long enough to really reflect on how many blessings there are in my life and how good God has been to me. That's a good goal. Here's another one. My goal this year is to enjoy all the crazy stuff, to laugh about it, uh, to love my people, and really have a deeper spiritual connection to my Savior as I celebrate when he stepped into our world and stepped into my life. I think that's a great goal. But my challenge for you is enjoy the now. What's primary, what's secondary? Don't let the crazy stuff become number one. We slide into that stuff. Keep our minds fixed on what's most important. Push back on that thought. Please push back on that thought that you will be happier in 2022. We say that every year. It's not going to happen unless we choose to be happy. Unless we choose joy. And that starts now. It doesn't start on January 1. It starts today. Enjoy this moment in your life. Enjoy what God has brought into your life now. Peace. You know, peace is something that you're patient for. Even, even in the midst of the pain, you feel it. You, it, it. Even when we're hurting, peace is something that enables you to smile even when people around you aren't smiling. And people say, what? What are you, nuts or something? It's like, no, I've got, I've got a peace. You know, God has given me something. It enables you to, to even, it even enables you to weep. And to be devastated, to grieve with those who grieve, and you still have peace. Because it's not an emotionally driven thing, it's a spiritually driven thing. It's, it's not based upon what's happening right here, it's, a, it's based on what I know, and the hope that I have. And when God says, I want you to have peace, it's on a whole different higher level. It's a different realm. It's not, I want you to, you know, close your eyes, close your ears, ignore everything that's happening around you. Just say, la, 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 I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. That's not it. It's not what peace is. Jesus says, I've come that you may have peace. How can we have that? I think there's a really, really important moment in this account with the shepherds. They just heard this great news. 
Uh, and, and there's been this moment, God is, is he, has, he has reached their attention. Like he's got it. He's grabbed their attention. Like God oftentimes like, trying to get your attention. Some of you, that's happening right now. You're just like, what? What's going on? What's going on? God's trying to get a hold of you. It says, all this happened, verse 15, it says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, you got you to picture the, the moment, okay? The sky's just ripped open. You've seen these beings, these angels, these, you know, bright, shining figures that are with booming voices and saying, hello, guess what? We got great news for you. It's going to cause a lot of great joy for you. This is not emotionally driven. This is not an external thing. It's, it's inside. It's, it's something else. This joy is going to come from this hope that you're going to have. It's going to change the world forever. And we're giving you this news. And I know this is startling right now. Don't be afraid. But this is really, really good stuff. And you wonder, well, what would they say to each other? That moment they leave, you say, so I, what, what was in that eggnog that you served us, Steve? You know, what? What just happened here? You know, I mean, what, what would you say? Would you say, man, we can never talk about this ever again. Like, I don't know what just happened, you know, why, or why. This is scary. I don't know what this means. Let's stay right here in the field where it's safe. Or maybe we should go find a rock to hide under. I don't know what's going to happen next. Look at what they said. They said, let's go. Let's go. We're going to run to Bethlehem right now. Let's, let's hurry. Let's go. Let's see what's happened that the Lord has told, him, told us about. And, and I love this is that they hurried. They ran. They didn't just wander or walk or kind of take a, a casual stroll. But they hurried there to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. I think about this scene. You know, and for us, we play this in our mind kind of quickly, right? Because we've all seen the Christmas play with the, okay, the shepherds and boom, they just have to walk across the stage. And now, oh, there's Mary and Joseph, of course. They, but this was a packed little town. There's people hanging out of buildings. They had to search for Mary and Joseph. Who knows how long it took. But they're searching until they find. They wouldn't give up. They're pursuing. They say, something's happened, and we've got to hurry up, and we've got to find this thing that the Lord has told us about. And it says that after they finally found him, when they finally reached the spot, and they saw Jesus, then they told everyone what had happened. And what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. And it says that they went back to their flocks then. Probably in the wee hours of the morning. Who, who knows how long it had been. They returned back to their flocks glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. I just see so much application to this account to the way God works in our lives. It starts with a, with a call, with the Holy Spirit nudging, prodding. You know, maybe you heard a message. You were, it was a song. It was a moment. There was something in your life that happened that you, you felt different than you have felt before. Like, I, I need to, to take a step. I need to make a decision. I need to do something. I can't just stay here where I am currently. Something's got to change. We call that the Holy Spirit. God's voice. Where he's calling you to himself. And what do you do with that? Do you say, well, no, I'm going to stay right here. Yeah, no, 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 that just seems a little crazy. That just sounds, that sounds out of character for me. 
Or do you say, well, let's go. I, I've heard the voice of the Lord. I recognize that he's, he's calling me to take a step for him. Do you hurry toward that? And then once you get to that, that place, you say, okay, I've given my life to the Lord. I've, I've, I've met the Lord in a, in a deeply personal way. It changes you. It changes everything. And you can't help but tell everybody around you. And then they're amazed at that. Like, wow, I, I knew the old George. And now this is a new George. What's going on here? I, you, you're not the same person anymore. What, what's going on in your life? Yeah, because guess what? I've met somebody that's changed everything for me. God is in the business of changing people, changing us. Sometimes I find myself getting frustrated and impatient. I because I'll see somebody who's not on the right road. You know, they're, they're just, they just keep kind of launching themselves into the wrong things. And they're stumbling around. And, I, and I'm tempted to think to myself, you know, why, why aren't they getting it together? What, what, are they, what are they waiting on here? You know, this is important stuff because we're talking about eternity. And we're talking about life and death and heaven and hell. And it's easy to, to get like that. We don't want to lose our sense of urgency. There's so many people that we love that are... They're so stinking lost. And sometimes you want to hug them. Other times you want to strangle them. I saw a lady at the mall the other day. I was walking around trying to get my Christmas shopping done. And there's this lady. She had her hair kind of in like this messy bun. And she had like five bags on each arm. And she just walked around like, 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 don't mess with me. You know, don't get in my line. This is where I'm walking. You better stay away. She's just determined. And her shirt said, y'all need Jesus. I thought, yeah, okay, she gets it. She's got it. But I'm reminded that God is the one that's doing the work here. I get frustrated because I'm like, what's it going to take for you to make this decision? You know, I, I have conversations with people all the time. They say, I've got this family member that has got to make a decision for the Lord. What should I say to them? And there are things that maybe we share our story and we, we pray and we encourage them and all that. But it's like we're, we're always looking for the... What's the silver bullet? What do I say in order to get somebody to step across that line of faith? And, and like the shepherds, like, do I need to just, like, should I just wear a bunch of glow-in-the-dark stuff and say, hey, good news, you need to make a decision. You know, Jesus has come for you. Like, what do I do? What should I do? And I'm reminded that I don't have to panic or question the Lord's timing. The little New Testament book of Jude, it's only one chapter long. But in verse 22, it says, be merciful to those who doubt. You know, I, I want to, I, I would lose patience. Oh, come on, what are you waiting on? And that scripture reminds me, be merciful. Be patient. Keep praying for them. Keep, just because somebody's struggling or they seem lost doesn't mean that God is not working something out in their life. It doesn't mean that he's not up to something and they may be lost sheep but God is the shepherd that goes and looks for the one lost sheep I love the message translation of this verse it says go easy on those who hesitate in the faith and go after those who take the wrong way but be tender with sinners but not soft on sin because sin itself stinks to high heaven <laughs> so we just continue to keep loving people Pointing them to Jesus. Occasionally somebody will ask me, why don't you, why don't you get up there and 
pound the table and, and preach hard on sin. I said, well, there is an, it is important that we talk about sin. But it is so important that we love the sinner. Because God loves that sinner. And he's searching for them. And we've got to search. And we've got to keep praying for them. And waiting with hopeful expectation that God will continue to draw them near. And that they will be receptive to his voice. There's a book called Scouting the Divine. It's written by a lady named Margaret Feinberg. And uh, she wanted to get a better understanding of what life was like for shepherds. And what kind of spiritual applications we could draw from that. And so she went to live with some shepherds, some modern day shepherds. For a few days and just observe. And one day they were going out to the pasture where all the sheep were. And, uh, and the shepherd was talking just very softly. Just, just whispering as they went out. And she'd open the gate just, just very quietly open it. And try to make a lot of noise and shut it. And, and, uh, and, and Margaret wondered why she was being so quiet. And the shepherd told her, I, I wrote this quote down. It said, as soon as they hear my voice, they'll come running. Lynn whispered to ensure the sheep couldn't hear her. Lynn was simply stating a fact that she knew to be true. She was a shepherdess, and these were her sheep. For her, the statement was just cause and effect. For me, the statement was a defining moment in my spiritual adventure. Were the words of Jesus the promise that like sheep we will hear and recognize his voice really true? I felt a lump swell in my throat. Sheep, 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 Lynn said. And at the sound of the first syllable, the flock bolted toward her. The sheep were responding to the voice of their shepherd. It's so interesting. All through scripture, Jesus is referred to by many names. I'm the gate, I'm the door. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. But one of my favorites is I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And he's coming for the sheep. He's here to protect and guide, nurture and heal. And when he first arrived on the earth, the very first announcement of his birth, I just don't think you can, it's just not a coincidence that the first announcement of his birth, it wasn't to the busy people down in Bethlehem who were so stressed out and trying to figure out where they were going to stay the night. You know, all shoved in hotels and hanging out. It wasn't to the wealthy who were so consumed by everything around them. It was to this group of people who were not too busy to meet Jesus. They weren't too busy to miss it. We think that life will be more peaceful if I can just get rid of something. Like if I could just get rid of this stress. Or if I could get rid of this old clunker of a car and get myself a new car. I've got to get rid of this 20 pounds. You know, well, maybe so, maybe do. But it won't bring you peace. It'll never bring you peace. Peace isn't the absence of something. Peace is the presence of someone. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The angel said, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Something wonderful has happened. Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to whom, to those with whom God is pleased. I'll close with this passage. These are the words of Jesus in John 16. I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus promises two things in that passage. Two promises. Number one, he says you will suffer. 
There will be, there will be pain. You will have many trials and sorrow. Jesus certainly knew that more than anybody else. He, was, he knew what it was like to suffer, to be betrayed, uh, to, to be abandoned. He says, you will have pain. But the second thing he promised, you will have peace. You will have peace. And my prayer for all of us and for our entire households is that we would know, we would sense and experience the overwhelming peace that passes all understanding. It's not an emotional thing. It's not if you go out and drive around and look at Christmas lights until you get tingly-winglies. That's not peace. That may bring back some fond memories or whatever. It's not if you just, you know, eat so much comfort food until your belt explodes. And now I finally I feel at peace. You know, it's not finding that perfect gift and, you know, spending that amount of money. Or it's not going to be the bonus you get at the end of the year. None of those things bring peace. Peace comes from hope. Hope comes from Christ. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is well pleased. And pray for us. Lord, I thank you for the gift that you have given us that we remember every year. And Lord, I, I also thank you for the promise that you will be with us no matter what we, what we go through. I know, Lord, that in this life we, we have problems and there's certainly so many around us that are, that are in the midst of, of struggle today. I pray that you would continue to comfort us, that we can comfort others, and that you would raise us up to be your hands and feet in a world that desperately needs to know that there is hope, there is a reason to, to look forward and to know that, that there is something better to come, not in this life, but in the one to come. We thank you for the hope of heaven and the joy that we have in this life to know you and to walk with you every day. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.